Hello, my friends. I'm Pastor Stephen Brooks. Welcome today to our midweek Bible study called Morning Glory. I'm so happy that you're here, and I want to invite you to grab your Bible. Meet me in the Gospel of Dr. Luke, Luke chapter 18. And today we're going to talk about how God is so much bigger than the devil. And perhaps the devil has been pushing you around or has presented something in your life that would seem to be impossible to overcome. I just want you to know that God is bigger than the devil, and I'm going to share that with you today. So let's open up in prayer. Heavenly Father, as we go into your word, we ask that your Holy Spirit will come and illuminate the scriptures to the eyes and ears of our understanding. We thank you, Father God, that Jesus has made a way for us to experience victory through his teachings. And when we put them to use, they work for us and you do mighty miracles for your glory. Now, Father, we thank you. We thank you for your love for us and the great help that you want to bring into our lives. And we stand ready today to receive it and to praise you for it. Father, we thank you in Jesus' name. And around the world, we all agree and say amen. Luke 18, verse 1. Then he, that would be Jesus, spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray and not lose heart. It's easy to lose heart in a situation when you are in a battle and you perhaps have prayed maybe for a few days. Watch this. Maybe for a few weeks. Let's go deeper. Maybe for a few months and you have not yet seen the change, the breakthrough that you desire. Not only, of course, a breakthrough that you desire, but something actually that would be a biblical promise that belongs to you. And yet you have prayed and it still hasn't happened. I know I'm talking to somebody today that's in that place. Well, Jesus wants to share a parable, a story that will represent a truth to you so that we can know why we should keep on praying and not lose heart. Now, I want to say this, that as we go into this teaching, that I'm going to share something that for some of you, it could be new. It could be maybe something that would sound a little bit unorthodox, but I think, I think you would agree with me. And here's what I want to say. And, I, and I'm going to say this in, the, in a certain context that I hope you understand, and I'll try to explain that. But here's what I would like to say. Short prayers rarely ever work with God. Now, I know that Jesus said, now, when you pray, don't utter these long prayers. But he's talking about like these prayers that are based out of routine and like a religious rote that are just like mechanical or robotic. That's what he's talking about. He's, he's basically saying, you know, be yourself. You know, come to me. Let's have a conversation. Don't be like praying these long structured uh, you know, uh, prayers of orthodoxy that you think you have to go through all of these, you know, one, two, three, four steps. And, you know, and you do all of that. And just because it was real long and took up a bunch of time, you think that's how it works. That's not how it works. Short prayers can be effective in certain situations. And I have had God answer 
short prayers. <laughs> but now, let's get to where the rubber so often meets the road, which is in these situations where you really need God to come into your life and change something that only God can do. And you'll find that when it's something major, not something minor, that maybe a little prayer, a short prayer can, you know, it's it's like low-hanging fruit, as we would say, easy to grab, and there you go. Wow, you prayed, and the next day, look at that, you've already got an answer. Well, we're not really talking about that, because this is something where obviously it's causing, circumstances are causing people to stop praying and to lose heart. In other words, like it's not going to happen, I, I've done the best I could, I'm just about ready to throw in the towel or give up. So we're talking about harder situations, things where the devil thinks he's got a rap on this. He thinks he's got you so locked up in this, or perhaps someone you love so locked up in a situation that truly only God can get you or them out. And that can be what you face in times where if God does not come on the scene, yeah, it's, it's over. You're either going to die in this type of a situation, or you're going to be forced to live in some form of uh, subjugation from the dark side that that is influencing the way that you live your life, and now it's hampered or handicapped or messed up in some way. And without God, yeah, it's not going to change. So in situations like that, I have to be honest with you as a minister and tell you that short prayers in those type of situations, I would say they're probably hardly ever going to work for you. And so you're going to have to learn how to engage fully uh, with what I would call a full-out commitment to God's Word, and that you stand on that, and that you don't waver. Because it's it's easy for us to make a, like a, like a three-week run. Lord, I'm going to make a big push. But you know what? Sometimes you find yourself in uh, a battle, and uh, you know, it talks about in Isaiah 35, and also uh, it talks about in the book of Hebrews about don't let the hands that hang down become weak. Don't let the knees that are feeble be weak, but to strengthen them. And I believe that the reason that hands hang down and knees are, are, are achy and weak uh, can be because we, we have gotten out of this routine of prayer. And the reason we get out of prayer is because we think, well, I've been making a pretty good push, but it doesn't seem like anything has happened yet. So Jesus has a parable that will encourage you to do the right thing, and that right thing is to keep on praying, because these short prayers, they, they, just, they don't work in these types of situations, and so that will help some of you to understand what you're up against and why you need to keep on going. Because if you keep on going, well, we're going to see what can potentially happen here. So the Lord shares this parable. There was in a certain city a judge who did not fear God nor regard man. Well, that's a very dangerous place for a person to be in because the truth is, is that we all need God. We all need the Lord in our lives, preferably a whole lot, you know, not just keeping God on the fringes, but God, you know, fully in our lives. So, so here's a man that maybe could 
called himself a self-made man. And now he is in a position where nobody's going to tell him what to do. He has authority. He has leverage. And he's going to run it the way he wants to run the show. So he does not fear God. He has no regard for man. And you know how they play the games, those that are in these positions that unless you can do something for them that's going to benefit them, they really have no interest in you. They may be called a public servant. They may be in an office that's designated a ser- you know, as that of a public servant. But no, they're going to use it all for their benefit. And so they really don't care about justice. And that could be a little bit hard to swallow, but the truth is, is that perhaps they really don't care about you. They're only in it for themselves. This is certainly the case with this man. Now, there was a widow in that city. Well, the widow would be the person that is really very, very low in society. She doesn't have any connections. She doesn't have something that she could use as leverage. And I think it's very important to understand, and this doesn't happen overnight for the believer, but you can come to a place in your walk with the Lord where you understand that while God does work through people, and God can even change the heart of a king, and God can alter things for your betterment, the truth is that when he's doing that, he's the one that's doing that, and you really don't need uh, a whole lot of stuff. Uh, you, you just need God in a sense. Yes, we, we thank God that he works through people. But God is someone that if you come in covenant with him, you suddenly find relief and you realize you don't have to pull gimmicks. You realize it's not about these uh, connections and trying to hustle and work these backroom deals. All of that stuff, you, you're just like, thank God I don't have to do that anymore. Now, in my career field, which is that of the ministry, which, which, which is what God has called me into, there are those in ministry that uh, do a lot of hustle. And, uh, I, and I'm not saying that they don't love the Lord and they aren't called, but they actually get caught up in, in sometimes what is like a religious game where they have to really work it. And they, and, and trust me, some really, really work it. And, uh, uh, and it's, it's almost like a circus. And I just, I am so glad that because I have a covenant with God, I'm out of that. I don't have to play those games. Now, um, not all ministers do that, of course, but there are a few that do. And it's, uh, it, for them, it's all about competition. It, it's all about, you know, we've got to outmarket the others. We have to outhustle the others. We have to consistently produce something that is hyped more than anybody else. And they can't put out a video with, say, without the video having a title like Shocking Word or Latest you know, world-altering prophecy, and it, and on and on it goes. It, it's stuff that they have to do to try to fight to either get to the top, or if they do get to the top that way, now they're under that strain to maintain that. <laughs> and it's awful. <laughs> well, it's awful. It's, it's just like a circus. And I'm so glad that I and the, the good ministers that I know and that I have good relationships with, we don't play that stuff. You know why? We don't have to. When you have a covenant with God, you don't have to do all of that stupid stuff that so often people think you have to do to survive. (laughs) 
feel sorry for them. What a what an awful what an awful existence. Hopefully they'll figure it out. Praise God. And when I was young in ministry, I I I thought I've got to play that game too. But as the covenant began to dawn on me, I realized, oh no, I don't. No, I don't. So uh, I'll give you one example. I was in a minister's conference uh, some years back, and there was a there was a minister. It, you know, you get a bunch of preachers together. The gifts of the spirit are going to operate because everybody has different gifts and anointings and so forth. And there was a, a minister that stood up in the public meeting and gave an utterance in tongues, and. Uh, Somebody stood up and gave the interpretation. Another minister stood up and, and gave the interpretation. Well, after this was over and the meetings, you know, that, that session ended and it, there was like a lunch break, I knew one of the lady ministers that was there, and she was wired and she was upset. And she was like, oh, I should have jumped up there for, before he did and gave that interpretation. My interpretation was better. My interpretation had more depth. And I just thought, wow, is this... You know, it was just gross. It's like, is this what ministry is about? Competing to try to outdo the other person? And uh, uh, it's just sick, really. <laughs> and, and, and so when you walk with the Lord, you don't have to do stuff like that. And and it's not about even about ministry. It's about uh, in secular in secular world. There, there can be those that are really... Uh, they want to climb that career ladder, and there, there are some. They're going to get to the top. They don't. They don't care what they have to do to get there. They're willing to do anything to get to the top. And you know what? You realize with the Lord, you don't have to play those sick games. Praise the Lord. That if you'll just honor the Lord, do your part, and do your very, very best, and serve the Lord, He'll lift you up, and you don't have to. You don't have to do stuff like that. Praise God. It's extremely liberating. But of course, the judge doesn't know that. But so now uh, he's played that part. He's in his place. And now he's really going to roll with what got him there. And now here's a widow woman. And this is what she's up against. She's up against this system. <laughs> and she can't, she can't buy her way into it. She doesn't have the look, you know. How many of you know what it was like in high school? Actually, I think a lot of it starts in junior high when hormones and testosterone and starts kicking in and, and stuff like that and and clicks form and if uh, especially in high school it can get worse so if you're cool maybe you're good looking or maybe you have money so that you can get the tennis shoes or the the, the clothes with a certain logo then you're in the good click uh, you're you're in the groupie whatever something like that and on and on it goes and then that can form later in life and even the apostle paul writing to the church in corinth so there's you know there's clicks here in the church, <laughs> he said, some of that actually has to occur in order for us to see who the spiritual ones are and who are those who are still carnal. So those that are in the cliques, they're they're carnal. But this lady, bless her heart, she has no way to get into the clique. She doesn't have the right purse, the right handbag, the right designer, this or that. She she has nothing going for her except for understanding a kingdom principle. And you need to know this. You really, really need to understand this. It can alter the way that you pray and seeing uh, what I would call nothing short of miraculous answers to prayer. Now, there was a widow in that city, and she came to him saying, get justice, right? Right, as if he's interested in that, right? Get justice for me and uh, from my adversary. And he would not for a while. 
But afterward, he said within himself, though I do not fear God, nor regard man. Now, ideally, you, you hope that if you do need some help, there can be those that will do the right thing. But if there are those who won't, God can still override all of those uh, difficult circumstances. Yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. So this widow woman would not give up, and uh, he would dismiss her. But then like a couple hours later, hello, uh, Mr. Judge, it's me, and I'm just back again. I really need you to help me. I know that you can, and I, there's this person that has done me wrong. I need there to be righteous, just vengeance against this situation. I get out of here. I've already dismissed your case the next day. Hello, who's there? Uh, it's me, uh, Mr. Judge. I'm sure that you know who I am, uh, but I'm just here to let you know that this situation has got to be dealt with. And, you know, she just wouldn't give up. She's doing that all the time. And if it were modern day, she's sending emails. Uh, she's, she's uh, you know, making her post. And, and she's doing what she needs to do to just not give up. Now, for us, the aspect that the Lord is wanting to pull out of this parable is a prayer life where you just don't give up. You just stay in this thing and you lose all what I would call respect for time. And you let the Lord know and you let the devil know that I'm in this and I'm not going away. Lord, I know that you are a miracle worker, and I'm going to stay with this until your power comes on the scene. And then there's also that other side where you're like, devil, look, I see what you're up to here, and you're certainly causing problems, but the God I serve is bigger than you, and I, I am standing against this attack, and I will, not re- I will not quit. I will not relent in prayer. I am going to continue to pray until this thing is changed. Praise the Lord. Well, now, Pastor Stephen, I'm, you know, uh, I, I, I'm the person that's gotten very comfortable with the microwave, and I, I, I cook a lot of my food real quick. <laughs> so that's nice. And I like microwaves too. And if there's something I can cook in one minute, as uh, uh, you know, that'll taste preferably as good as something that takes 45 minutes. Yeah, I'm going to put it in the microwave. But while we say that we know, you know, God doesn't work like that, the truth is, is that he doesn't. And we really need to be able to just settle in, settle into the trenches and just uh, pray and stay on it. And I want to share with you how to do that in just a moment. The judge said, lest by her continual coming, she weary me. So she literally, with this guy, just bugged him as we would say, bugged him to death until it was such an irritation. She, he basically said, it doesn't even matter to me whether she's right. It doesn't even matter to me if she's being wrong. I could care less about that, but I'm going to get her off my back. I'm going to, I'm going to get the vengeance for her that she needs simply just to get it over with because this is interrupting, you know, the things that I want to do. Now, verse six, then the Lord said, here, what the unjust judge said, and shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him? Now stop and think about that. 
the difference between short prayers and hoping that'll get the job done as compared to investing yourself fully into it with prayer and you're calling out, crying out to God day and night, day and night. Well, now, Pastor Stephen, I thought miracles were a lot easier than this. I don't really know if I'm really connecting with this. Well, if you're not connecting with the words of Jesus, you're probably not going to be connecting with genuine, bona fide miracles where God will eventually, if you keep doing this, there will come a point where he will eventually come on the scene and move on your behalf. But I can't tell you when he's going to do that. And how many of you, like me, have figured out you can't force God to do anything? (laughs) Oh, yes, I can. No, you can't. (laughs) You can't make God do something within a certain time frame or something like that. He's just, he's God, and we aren't. And so there has to be a persistence that God sees on our behalf And there has to be a persistence that the devil sees or the unjust judge sees and says, you know what? They're not giving up. They're not quitting. And I'm, I'm, there is an element where demons, they, they can start to tell if you're serious or not. And if you're not, they will really put in a, a fight. Now there can be times also when you are serious, they'll put up a fight. But if you keep pounding, you keep pounding, there'll come a point they can't take it anymore. And God, when God comes in, oh, they'll go running. They might even leave their suitcase. They'll, they, they'll, they'll just scream in terror and leave. Woo! Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. I've had different miracles in my life that when I look at them from the rearview mirror and examine them and kind of like, I wouldn't say dissect, but kind of look carefully at the mechanics of how that worked out. There were very few that happened overnight. And the ones that happened overnight were ones that were, it was just like compiling, compiling until there was a break. And some of the greatest miracles that I've had, and I was thinking about three of them particularly, Each one of them came after a period, each individual one, each one had an individual uh, time frame of two years of prayer invested into each one, where for two years on this one, then on the separate miracle, two years on that one, and then on another major miracle, two years on that one, and it was something that I was pretty much... I have to be honest, I was on it every single day. I didn't take a faith vacation. I was just on it every day. I just said, God, thank you. Thank you for doing this. God, I give you a praise. And I would do that whole year go by. And I just stay on it. I do that a year and six months go by. But for, for me, in these situations, because I was in it, I wasn't even looking at the calendar. You might as well not because, you know, <laughs> that can make you faint. And so I just forgot the clock. And I just said, I'm, I'm in all the way. But for each one of these three separate great miracles of my life, right around that two-year mark, God just suddenly came on the scene. And it happened, 
And when it happened, it happened so fast. It happened so easy. It was, it was almost like surreal. It was like, and it was done. And it was done. And it took two years of, of praying on that. And then it was done. Glory to God. And remember, Jesus is telling this parable that we will always pray and that we will not lose heart. So I want to encourage you that God loves all of his children, all of his sons and daughters the same. And he will, not might, he will absolutely do a miracle for you, but you have to stay on it. You cannot quit and say, this is taking too long. You have to stay on it. Mm -mm. And shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out day and night? You have to do that. Well, Pastor Stephen, this really, uh, I, I don't know if I want this type of commitment. Then you don't want the miracle as much as you perhaps would say or act like you do. So you have to be willing to pay that price and go all in. And just cry out to God day and night, Lord, Lord, I praise you. God, I praise you. Hallelujah. And there's also this element where God will watch you and he observes you to see that you are being steadfast and not wavering. And let's say that you need a miracle in your body or that there is a child that's in your home that's sick. You know what? You have to just lock in and be convinced by God's word that he's a healing God. And if that's, that's where it all begins at. If you're not convinced of that, then you have to get back into the word, do your homework and understand what Jesus made available for us through his death, burial, resurrection, and ascension from Calvary and from Jerusalem. But then once you know, and once you know what belongs to you and that you can have it, then just go after it, go after it. And if you have to do it every day, all day long, week after week, month after month, and just say, Jesus, you're my healer. By your stripes, I was healed. It's a done deal. I believe it. And I receive my healing. Jesus, you're my healer. Even if the symptoms are still fighting, you have to say, Jesus, you're my healer. And just go ahead and hit the old unjust judge also and say, I'm still here. I'm still here. Devil, you can't kill me. Devil, you're never going to kill me. Jesus is my healer. Devil, do you hear that? Get out of my body with all of your junk and garbage. Get out of my body. You cannot stay and trespass in my body. Get out, out, out out, 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 and just drive the daylights out of him. Out, out, out. Get out. In the name of Jesus, get out. I'm healed. By his stripes, I'm healed. Now, and then turn it back to the Lord. Lord, I praise you. I thank you for your mighty healing power. Jesus, you're my healer. Jesus, I thank you that I thank you that you paid the price for me to be whole. Mm, mm, mm. Whatever it might be, whatever it might be, maybe you need a financial miracle. And you want to honor the Lord with your finances. Listen, please listen. There's two people. I'm talking about Christians. There's two types of Christians God cannot bless. He can't bless the stingy Christian. And he cannot ever bless 
the lazy Christian. So give God your best. Give your work your best. And my friends, don't be a stingy old miser. Honor the Lord with your finances. Praise God. And then when you need a financial miracle, if you need a breakthrough, just say, God, I worship you. You're my provider. And God, you have made provision for me to be a blessing. You have made provision for me to be a blessing. I refuse to stay poor. Poverty and lack and insufficiency are not your will for me. That was a product of the curse under the law, pronounced as a curse for those that walk in disobedience. So, Lord, I thank you that my portion is more than enough. And God, I have a giving heart. And Lord, I want to be a blessing. So I thank you, O oh God, for your prosperity plan for my life unfolding for your glory. Devil, get out of my finances in the name of Jesus. <laughs> and you stay on it. And you stay on it because for some of you, you're trying to break out of something that has been multi-generational. You're trying to break out of something where nobody ever in the entire history of your family legacy has ever made more than $100,000 in a year. And you're endeavoring to break out for the glory of God. You're endeavoring to increase the tithe. You're endeavoring to sow greater seeds. And you are fighting with everything that you've got to break through into this new level. And so don't don't stop praying. Don't lose heart. Don't, don't faint. Stay in that fight and push, push, push to the glory of God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Break that spirit of poverty. Hallelujah. Through giving, through giving and through worship and through prayer. Break it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Somebody is going to go into a new land. You're going to go into the new places of the Canaan land that some of your family members have never tasted these grapes. They have never tasted these uh, pomegranates and these other beautiful things, these figs and these olives and so forth. But God wants you to possess your inheritance. Don't let any devil keep you out of your promised land. Fight the fight of faith. Pray, pray. When I read about some of the great miracles that happened in the ministry of Reese Howells, you can see when you read his autobiography, how he prayed these things in. Oh yes, he made good confessions and he would speak in harmony in an agreement with scripture, but he just didn't leave it at that and think somehow it's going to float in. He prayed it in, prayed it in. And if it took two months or two years, he just pushed and pushed. <laughs> And the great miracles that I have had in my life, nothing has been accidental. Nothing has. See, Jesus said the violent take it by force. That is a violent faith that takes those promises by going into the place of prayer and saying, I refuse to be denied by the devil. And just shout, God, you're greater than the devil. God, you're greater than the devil. God, come. God, come into my life with your power and turn this situation around and then just worship him and calling those wonderful names. You're great, great and mighty. Jehovah God, I worship you. Praise the Lord. If, if you need healing, uh, you know, call upon him as your healer, whatever it might be, deliverer, whatever it might be. If, 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 you're, if you're somewhere where you need to escape and you're in a place of great persecution. God can get you out, but worship the Lord in that area. And he'll make a way of deliverance for you. He's done it over and over again. Praise God. Hallelujah.
Thank you, Lord Jesus. And shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him? You may want to get up two o'clock in the morning. Lord, I'm here. Yes, Lord, it's me. Now, Lord, you know, I praised you all day long. Lord, you know, I've stood on your word all day long, but Lord, hey, it's two o'clock in the morning. And Lord, I'm here for 10 minutes to worship you and just say, Lord, I know you can do this. Lord, I know you're bigger than the devil. Lord, come on the scene. Come on the scene with your power. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And then, you know, after a few minutes or after however long you'd like to, you know, express that to the Lord, you go back to bed and you say, Lord, good night. I bless you. I thank you that the miracle is mine. Mm, mm, mm. Thank you, Jesus. Now, it says, And shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them? Though he bears long with them. Pastor Stephen, I want, I want somebody to lay hands on me, and I want this thing over. There is a ministry of laying on of hands. I, that's, a, that's an anointing. That's a ministry that the Lord has given me. But what if you live on the other side of the planet? What if I can't put my hands under that anointing on you and pray the prayer of faith with that anointing? Praise God. Because it's the anointing that removes the burdens and destroys the yokes. What if you're in a situation where you can't find somebody around you that can operate in the gifts of the Spirit or in the power of the Spirit? What are you supposed to do? Praise God. Well, the Lord... He bears long. In other words, let me say this. You can contact God with your faith. You can get your miracle. Even if you can't get somebody else on the phone, you can't get the elders of the church to pray for you or whatever the case might be. You, one-on-one with God, can make that contact. And what God will do is that that bearing long that God can do that on purpose because he's trying to do something. He's trying to get you to grow and develop in your faith where this will not just be a one-time act where this is not like, well, you've invested all of this into this, but once you get it, you know, you'll never use it again because it's good for nothing else. No, no. Once you learn how to ride a bicycle, you've got that for the rest of your life. My friends, once you understand how to work with God in faith and you put this to use and it starts working, well, you have now developed a friendship with God. See, God called Abraham a friend. Why? Abraham learned how God works. And you can't please God without faith. And Abraham figured out, oh, so you honor faith. In other words, you honor... you. You honor me and respond to me when you see that what you say, I take it and I believe it and act upon it and you you like that. And so because your word means so much to you that when you find a person that believes it and works it, then that actually opens up a, rela- a working relationship, which becomes a friendship. Praise the Lord. So you realize, wow. This works. And after you receive a miracle, praise God. What's next? Something else. Something else that will be a betterment to your life. Mm -mm. Though he bears long with them. How long does he bear? I don't know. I don't know. And that's not really the focus because the focus is that he'll come through for you. 
But during this long bearing, this waiting where God's watching you to see that you stick with it and you're praising him and you're not a flake, you're, you're, you're really learning this. You are moving into Christian maturity. You are, you are being discipled through the word of God by the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And when you learn this, you can go out and disciple others. You'd be shocked how many don't know it in the church. There's a lot of people, listen to me please very carefully. There's a lot of people today that are buried six feet under with the tombstone there at their gravesite. And you know what? It's not God's will for them to be in that place yet. They could have lived. God could have come on the scene and could have done a miracle for them. But there were some that just didn't understand this. And they, they thought, well, I guess if God wants to heal me, he'll heal me. Well, that's like saying if God just suddenly has a desire to save people, he'll just go out and start saving sinners. No, it doesn't work like that. Everything has to be appropriated by faith and received by faith. And so many have died. Many have gone prematurely before their time. They did not know how to continue to stay with it, and they just gave up. And that thing took them out. It took them out. Others have exited this life. They have left this planet. And yes, of course, when you get to heaven, oh, huh, glory to God. <laughs> At least you made it. That's the greatest thing. You receive Christ and you, you made it through life, keeping your faith, and now you're there. But you realize, wow, I really lived beneath my privileges as a child of God. And I never took from off that banquet table of blessing off of that covenant table, what was rightfully mine. I never prayed it through. I never really pushed. I just gave up when the get when the going got tough. Well, my friends, I'm speaking to those I believe that are hungry. Hallelujah. I feel like I'm speaking to maybe um, these powerful creatures that they'll take the bone and they just, they're going to crunch that bone and you, you take the word and you're just like, I'm not letting go. Mm -mm. Glory to God. Now watch this. Though he bears long with them, I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Now here's the thing. When God sees after this time of bearing long with you, when God sees you know what? They're never giving up. You know what? They really do believe. When you reach that place where your faith pleases God, and that even though that, that bearing long has been going through that transitionary place, whether it's two months or two years, but when God sees your faith and you will not quit and that you're going to keep praying and you're going to keep, it's me again. It's me again. Lord, praise you. Hallelujah. It's 2.30 in the morning. Lord, how are you doing? Lord, I know that you're going to do this for me, and you're just, you're there all the time. When God sees that, what takes place is that he will move. And when he moves, it is lightning fast. I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Some of you have never met the speedy God. You've heard about him. You've heard some testimonies about him. But you personally have never met this fast moving God that can come in and just boom, blast the devil and all of his junk out of your body, out of your life, or can go visit that 
that loved one who has drifted away from God and is off in sin, God can boom after your prayers can come on the scene and God can go visit that person and shake the living hell out of those, out of that person. God can give that person a vision and show them where they're going. He can show them hell. He can let them experience a little bit of that heat. God can do all kinds of amazing things. Hallelujah. But my friends, we must continue to pray until God comes on the scene. And God can also come on the scene in a dry and weary land where you say, Lord, where is your glory? Where is your power? Well, keep praying and you'll have a power encounter. Mm, mm, mm. Thank you, Jesus. So get rid of your clock. Get rid of your calendar in this sense of prayer and just stay invested heavily, heavily in the prayer and stay in faith. Don't waver and he will move on your behalf. Nevertheless, when the son of man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? We have a lot of, uh, 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 how can I say a lot of teaching now on faith, which I'm grateful for good teaching on faith. But along with that teaching, along with that teaching, eventually we're going to have to just like put this to work though. And we're going to have to believe and we're going to have to pray and pull these things in so that we're not just talking about what faith can do. We can give examples of what faith has done and that your, your faith will never stay vibrant without a strong prayer life. You, you're going to have to merge both of them together. Mm-mm. Uh, honestly, when you're praying, you have to pray in faith. And if, if you're not there in faith while you're, you're praying, well, just keep on praying until you slip over into it. Uh, the Holy Spirit will come along with you. He'll come along with you and help you. And you'll get to that point in your heart. Now, this is what God will do. You'll get to a place in your heart where you know. Not, 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 that, you, not that you maybe, or, you know, or just, no, no. You'll know that you've got it before it's even happened. There is that place. You're like, I've got it. I've got it. And it's not, it's not a, it's not anything that's kind of like flaky. I mean, it's real and and you're not letting off the gas pedal, but there is that place. You're like, I've got this. God's going to do this. I know it with everything in my being. And usually when you get that real powerful witness after, after staying in the game, this prayer battle, usually when you're that convinced, uh, you don't let off an inch. You just push it even more. Hallelujah. And sure enough, sure enough, it happens. You know, what's interesting when it does happen. It's not like for the believer. It's not like for the person like the widow woman who's been in this and refuses to quit. It's not like it's a shock that it happened. <laughs> oh, oh, I just, just, just that, that just blows my mind. No, it doesn't at all. You knew it was going to happen. You knew before it ever manifested that it was going to happen. That's mature faith. Praise God. Keep on pushing. Keep on pushing. God's going to do it for you. God is bigger than the devil. God can come on the scene and blast that that junk of the devil, all that sickness, all that garbage. It doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter what you need. It doesn't matter what it is. If you'll just keep on praying. Don't faint. Just stay in it. Keep believing. Stay in faith because the Lord wants to find faith on the earth. If you'll just stay in it, stay in that fight. 
and really pushed to the Lord, he'll come on the scene. He'll give you anything you want. He'll give you anything you want, need, or desire. Praise God. Praise God. Father, we thank you for your mighty power. We thank you that it's available. And Father, while it is available, we have to cry out day and night. We thank you, Father God, that even though there so often can be that interim time, that maybe the word interim is not even that good, maybe that a lengthy in-between time <laughs> is actually more accurate. We thank you, Father God, that our faith is growing. Our faith is growing. Mm. Mm. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Father. And that faith in your eyes is more of more value than pure gold. Father, you have plenty of gold in heaven. What you really want is mature faith in your sons and daughters. So, Father, we thank you that you're, you're extracting that pure gold faith from us. There's a refining and we won't quit. And we thank you, Father, in your good timing. Your power is going to come on the scene and everything will change in a moment. We give you all of the praise and we thank you. Now, Father, strengthen your people to not faint, to not quit, but to continue to pray and to be encouraged today that you're going to do it for them because you will. Now, if we give you praise, thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. If you're watching today's program and you don't know Christ as your Savior, the greatest miracle that you can ever receive is salvation through Jesus. Eternal life. Eternal life. I'm not talking about living eternally in your body in the sense that the way you are now, you just keep on living and you don't die. I'm talking about his spiritual life, which results in eternal life coming into you. Praise God. Now, you may think that you need some other type of miracle that's more important, but if you don't know the Lord Jesus as your Savior, that's the greatest thing that you need right now, and it is the beginning of any other miracle. So right now, if you don't know him, Get your heart right with God because the Holy Spirit's moving up on your heart right now. So take advantage of this window of opportunity to receive forgiveness of sins and eternal life. Pray this prayer after me. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I repent of all of my sins and I turn from them. Jesus, wash my sins away with your precious blood. Give me your new life right now. Jesus, I take you by faith as my Lord and Savior. Write my name in your book of life, and I thank you that you have a mansion in heaven waiting for me. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for saving me right now. In your beautiful name, I pray. Amen. And he has heard that prayer. And he has answered that prayer. You now belong to him, live for him, walk with him. Praise God. Let's all together as a church family take communion together. I want to ask you to grab some unleavened bread. I have this little wafer that I use. You could use a saltine cracker, something like that, if you don't have one of these. 
and grab some grape juice. And let's pray. Father, we thank you for the bread, the juice, and we bless it and consecrate. We set it apart as holy now through this prayer. And we thank you that this is now the flesh and the blood of Christ under the veil, under the form of bread and juice. But we thank you, Father, this is the body and the blood of Jesus. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Praise God. Let me, let me share something just for a moment before we, we receive the, the body and the blood. I felt, I felt led of the Holy Spirit to talk about this for a moment. I want to ask you to walk in wisdom when you share your testimony and when you talk about what God has done for you. As a child of God, when you confess your sins to the Lord, God hears. And when you repent, he completely forgives you of your sins. He actually says in the Bible, in multiple scriptures, that your sins and your iniquities, he does not even remember them anymore. So in his mind, they are forgiven and they are gone. And he doesn't even have memory of them. So with your testimony, you want to use wisdom where you can encourage others, but at the same time, it's not like you're going to glorify the devil and give the devil credit, you know, for some kind of previous lifestyle that Jesus has actually forgiven, washed away, and in many times he'll cover it in a way where he doesn't, there's some things he doesn't want you to talk about. And I think that's really what I want to highlight. Stop and think about Moses for a moment, the great man of God, the servant, the prophet of the Lord in the Old Testament. Excuse me, I almost drank, my, my, uh, almost drank the, the blood of the Lord, and I'm wanting to get a drink of water. Praise God. But we know from the book of Exodus that Moses murdered an Egyptian. Now, yes, it was an Egyptian slave master, and he was, he was beating up one of the Hebrew slaves. But even still, this is not right. This was murder. Now, we don't know how Moses murdered this man, this Egyptian, but nevertheless, it was, it was murder. And uh, Moses took the body and buried the, the dead Egyptian in the sand. And the next day, Moses is out and about, and uh, he sees two Hebrew men fighting. Uh, sounds like a fist fight. He tries to break it up and says, you know, your brothers, you shouldn't be fighting. And they said, well, you know, who made you like judge ruler over us? Are you going to kill us like you killed the Egyptian yesterday? And Moses realized, uh-oh, uh, the gig is up. And so he left. And Pharaoh heard about it and tried to kill him, but uh, Moses was gone. There is a thing in the law that's called statute of limitations, and that basically means there's a maximum time in which legal proceedings can be carried out, and if that time frame expires, it's different from state to state, country to country, how these rulings work, but if a certain time goes past and nothing was brought against you or so forth, then it's uh, you're, you're in many ways good to go, long as you're good to go with God, which is the most important thing. But 
Moses goes away for 40 years on the backside of a desert. He's in a remote area. And in the interim time, Pharaoh, this Pharaoh dies. And another Pharaoh comes on the scene. And eventually God sends Moses back. But when God sends Moses back, that stuff of the murder, first of all, God's got that, Moses has sorted that out with God. There is repentance there. Murder is murder. You can't just, you cannot justify murder. So he's got that sorted out with God, but God has also put away Moses's sin, but he's also covered what Moses has done. And the last thing that Moses should do when he comes back after a 40 year absence and all of that is covered and no news agency is talking about it and nobody really even is bringing it up, (laughs) right? Last thing Moses should do is say, you know, I want to stand up and I've been gone a long time and I want to give my testimony and I want to talk about the time I murdered that Egyptian. And then suddenly, okay, that's going to cause a problem. There is a place where God wants you to be quiet and God has not only forgiven and forgotten your sin, he's covered it. And the last thing he needs you to do is be out there blabbing it all over the place and you're, you're messing up your future. Okay. And so the church in America has this funny thing about glamorizing certain kinds of testimonies. And you can stand up and tell your testimony. Let, let's say, for example, if you're a former, uh, you know, gangbanger. Oh, the church, they want to hear your testimony. If you got saved and you had a testimony like that, they'll get you in front of the whole church and you can tell about all the people you shot and all the drugs you ran and stuff like that. That's kind of like, they consider that a cool testimony. Maybe if you used to be a drug dealer, something like that, they think that's a cool testimony. Share your testimony in church. But, you know, you have to use wisdom. Um, it's not like if God delivered you some out of some really, really bad stuff that you need to get up and start talking about that. Pastor Stephen, I want to get up in church and I want to tell everybody how God delivered me out of the depravity of a, being a, pedi- a pedophile. And I used to molest all these kids and I want to stand up and give full testimony of everything I've done. Uh, no, no, uh, you need to let that stay under the blood and you also not need not to be an idiot and wreck your ability to function. So here's the thing. When you really, really repent, God can extend mercy. There's a portion of that mercy. Well, he will, of course, forgive you. And of course, in his mind, he's going to forget it. But you have to realize other people can have really good memories. So what God can do out of this incredible mercy is that, now he doesn't do it all the time because sometimes there's different uh, factors that are involved. But many times God can cover things And that way you can move on in life and go forward in life with that coverage. And so the last thing that you would want to do is, you know, stand up and say, I want to give testimony. Really? I just really want to let everybody know. And, um, have to be real careful on things like that. So, you know, in the church, uh, the church, for whatever reason, loves these testimonies. Like if you're a pro athlete, say like an NFL football player, you weren't saved and you gave your heart to Jesus. And then the next thing you know, every Christian television station, they're going to, they're going to want you to be on there and give your testimony and tell all about it. (laughs) Here's the big one (laughs) is that if you're a pop singer, a world famous pop singer, and you give your heart to Jesus, then the church just almost falls out oogling and goggling. Oh, oh, isn't that the most wonderful thing? And, you know, you can, you can be a pop singer, tell all about all of your wild escapades, and the church is just like, 
praise God. Praise God, or Hollywood celebrity got saved. Oh, oh, this is wonderful. But I hope you have enough sense to know that, that there are some things you don't want to talk about. It, it, it's, uh, they really, even in, in some public settings, they should never even be mentioned because they're too, they're too ghastly. They're too, um, they're too dark. And um, if, if you tell it, you'll actually, you can actually even, what is the word I'm trying to use? You can stain people. It's so dark and so depraved that um, in certain audiences, uh, many church settings, you may have young believers or others. Don't say that. Don't say these certain things. Let me give you an example. Let's say you have a woman that comes out of a lifetime, uh, a lifestyle where maybe she's been a prostitute, maybe she's been sex trafficked, and maybe she's been uh, all over the web with pornography and stuff like that. But God delivers her and saves her. She gives her heart to Christ, of course. Now she's washed with the blood of Jesus, and she is cleansed from her sin. You know, you don't want to grab a person like that and put them up on the stage and say, now tell us all your testimony. Tell us everything you did. Well, okay. Well, I used to be in pornography, and okay, you're going to have a lot of men sitting there that don't need to hear that because you're going to have some men that may be struggling. And the last thing you need to say is she used to be, you know, a pornographic film person or something like that. You're going to have some that are so weak that might, they might go home and oh, I wonder who that person is. I, I'm going to get on the internet and find out who that person is. I want to find out more about their testimony. No, you're in the flesh. <laughs> that, and that, that stuff that was shared stirred up your flesh. And um, look, I've had people confess things to me uh, because it was so bad and dark and disgusting that they they bore their soul because they knew that God would forgive them but it's like they needed a human uh, they needed a man of God that they could at least share it with because it brought some comfort knowing pastor Stephen can God forgive me of something this awful I I truly am grieved and all you know and I'll never do it again I've asked God to forgive me but he, can he forgive me of this and Yes, with true repentance, he can forgive the most vile murderer on death row. But all I'm trying to say when it comes time for testimonies is there's some things for some that God will even out of his mercy give a fresh start. And with that fresh start, the next, the, the worst thing you want to do is get out there and start talking about it when God, God himself wanted to cover it so that you could go forward. And if God has forgot about it and washed it, washed it away with his blood. Don't you think that you should too? Well, I, maybe I should tell everybody, uh, wisdom, wisdom, because you do have a lot of people, even in the church that although they know that we are to forgive and so forth, they're just not very good at it. <laughs> and if you tell it every time they see you, they're going to think about it. So if God's dealt with it and God has helped you to put it away privately, then thank God for it, receive his forgiveness, receive his mercy, and go on and don't say nothing. Don't say anything. Praise God. Some of you need to learn that. I felt that I needed to share that. Well, we have a right to know. No, you don't have a right to know anything if God hides it. If God takes your sin and throws it to the bottom of the sea, as the prophet said, and it goes to the very bottom of the abyss, what's the interest of going down there trying to look at it? Look at it. No, no, no. We are told, do not look into the mystery of iniquity. Do not look into the mystery of lawlessness. I don't want to know. 
I don't want to know. I've heard, I've heard crazy stuff. I, I, some of the stuff I wouldn't even tell you that has been confessed to people, uh, confessed by people to me that need it, that they, they, they just need it released knowing that God's mercy is enough. The blood's enough to cleanse. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. The blood, the blood, the blood of Jesus covers you, cleanses you, washes you free from all sin. Hallelujah. So walk in wisdom. Walk in wisdom. Pastor Stephen, we need to have a club for men that have been healed from being pedophiles. Let's start a Christian men's pedophile club. No, no, don't do that. Do not do stuff like that. This is crazy stuff. And so there's a lot of people that they love the Lord. They just don't have any wisdom in these areas. And there are some things God doesn't want you talking about, and they don't need to know. God has put it away. God has put it away. And when God's trying to give you a fresh start, don't talk about it. Praise God. Well, Pastor Stephen, I still have memories of it. That's nothing but burned ashes. It can't hurt you. Your sin has been forgiven. It's gone. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise the Lord. It's nothing but burnt up ashes. Praise God. Can't hurt you. Praise God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Mm-mm. We never sin intentionally. We hate sin. We endeavor to stay away from it. We endeavor to honor the Lord. But my friends, I'll say this. Where there is sin and where sin would abound, grace abounds much more. God can pour out the grace in some of the most amazing ways. I've seen God cleanse and heal the most vile people who turn to him. And then the wildest thing is that I've seen God cover it and nobody knew. I've had, my wife and I have had people walk into our ministry headquarters unannounced in agony of soul because of acts they have committed against God and their conscience is so grieved and they are so burdened with the guilt of what they have done that in despair, some not even really knowing who we are have come to our ministry and have just bared their souls pleading that God would forgive them. And we have assured them that with pure and true repentance, that God will do that. Mm-mm. Well, Pastor Stephen, that you call the local newspaper and tell them all about it. Absolutely not. Mm-mm. Praise God. Now, when we do counsel certain people, and that, by the way, that's not really my ministry of counseling, okay? Because my ministry is more apostolic and prophetic, and I'm on the move a lot. And so I don't really have time for what would be deep, uh, excuse me, deeper pastoral-type ministry. But there are areas, particularly where you get into things where laws have been broken, then you're going to need wisdom on that, especially if you're a minister talking to somebody, and uh, they're, uh, I would say it like this, if I can put it in a nutshell, if restitution can be made, it needs to be done. Well, now, Pastor Stephen, I want to confess that I stole all this money. Okay, God will forgive you. Are you ready to return that money? Well, I, I, I want God to forgive me, but I, I, I don't want to take that money back. You need to take it back, all of it, all of it. You need to make right what you can make right. And if you can make restitution, you absolutely need to do that. Mm-mm. Now, some things you can't. Some things you can't, but that's something that, of course, you would have to um, 
if you needed some insight on that, you would need a spiritual guide to talk with you about that. I'm talking about a mature uh, minister who's got some years of leading ministry. Praise God. That would help you. Praise the Lord. I'm saying that because I, if you, if I get a barrage of emails, Pastor Stephen, I've done this. What do you think? I, you know, I already get so many emails that, and I'm endeavoring to help as many people as I can, but that's not really my anointing, but I'm just trusting that what I'm sharing with you alone will be enough to help clear up some of these areas so that you know what to do. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Glory. Glory. Glory to God. Look, if you'll just always do the right thing, always do the right thing, then that's often when that mercy is extended. I I was reading um, about a certain soldier that... um, I, not in America, but a different country. He sold. He was a Christian, but he, excuse me, he was not a Christian. But before he became a Christian, he sold weapons that belonged to the military. He sold them, you know, under the table to uh, some uh, bad guys, and they gave him cash for it. And these were military grade weapons. Well, shortly after that, he got saved and he, he was born again. But. The Holy Spirit was really riding on him in the sense of, you've got to make this right. And of course, the devil is right there to suggest and say, well, now, if you go to your superior and confess this, you're going to go to military prison. But you know what? In certain situations, as much as in, well, in all situations, if there's something that you can do to make something right, that needs to be made right, you need to go get that taken care of. And so... He went to his military superior and said, I have sold this many weapons. This is the money that has been attained for that. Some of this money I still have. I want to turn it all in right now. Other money I've spent on stupid stuff. And I said, I know this is a, this is a crime. And I'm here to confess everything that I did. And the superior in this situation, now he'd just become a Christian. The man did, but he wanted to be right with God. And the superior said, so you did all these things? And the guy said, yes, I did. He said, okay. He said, it's now all settled. And he said, this is now closed. And he said, I have actually have the authority. And then in that certain nation, he did to make that judgment. And he said, it's, it's over with and it's forgotten. He said, this will never happen again. And the man said, yes, this will never happen again. And he was released. He's released. But he was willing, if it meant going to prison. He was willing to do whatever it took to make things right. This is why we must live our lives honoring the Lord, because there are laws of sowing and reaping. And there are certain things that you do, God can forgive you, but the reaping consequences could be something that could mean, yep, you're going to have to walk this all the way out. Praise God. Mm-mm-mm. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. This is not really for everybody, but this is helping a few that have been struggling with some things that have really been weighing on your soul, on your conscience. And it's certainly something you want to have cleared up before taking communion. Don't ever take communion with something in your soul, in your soul, some type of stain, some type of blockage between you and God. Confess it, get it right, and then 
take communion because if you don't, you're shortening your life. Mm, mm, mm. Well, Pastor Stephen, if that's the case, I shouldn't take communion. Yes, that's absolutely the case. You need to get it right. Get it right and then come into the Lord's presence and he'll receive you. Father, thank you for the bread, the body of Jesus. Thank you for all of your promises. We thank you, Father God, that we're learning to pray fervently. But along with these fervent prayers, we have to be living right. We have to have, a, as, as Paul said, Father, thank you, a conscience that's right with you and our fellow man. So, Father, we just thank you for the flesh of Jesus. We thank you, Father God, for wisdom. We thank you for wisdom in all that we do, including our testimony. <laughs> thank you, Father. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Praise God. Did you ever notice the wisdom of God? How God knew that the statute of limitations had run out on Moses before God sent Moses back to Egypt? And by the way, I'm not preaching this because I'm trying to outlive out, out some statute of limitations of something I've done. There, I don't, there's nothing on the books out there that I know of. <laughs> it's not like I'm the former gangster. You know what I'm talking about? I don't have a wild testimony like that. My testimony is not so much wild. My testimony is more of having done stupid stuff. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Glory to God. But the Holy Spirit's really trying to reach some of you that are on the edge. There are a few of you that are on the edge. You need, you need to make it right. Praise God. Hallelujah. Father, thank you for the blood of Jesus that cleanses us from all sin. And we ask, Father, currently that if we have committed any sins, any trespasses, we ask that you would forgive us and wash them all away. Praise God. Thank you, O God. And Father, we pray that you would lead us away from temptation. We pray that you would deliver us from the evil one. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's receive the Lord's precious blood. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory, glory to God. Praise the Lord. My friends, God wants to come on the scene in your life and do a miracle for you. He will do it. But you must stay with him in prayer, showing that you really mean it. When the Lord Jesus comes back, he's going to be looking for those on the earth that really understand faith. I believe he's going to find it in you. Praise the Lord. Thanks for watching. I'll see you back next time.